I've just learned a new term, expressive individualism. Expressive individualism takes the self to be the fundamental unit of human reality. Not the community, not the family, not relationships. The truth of the self is not determined externally, but internally. This sounds overly complicated and philosophical, but in short, I think it boils down to one word, selfishness, uh, and maybe even isolation. In this worldview, we're not defined by, nor are responsible for, the other. This belief system is so ingrained in our Western culture that you may be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? That individualism, me, myself, and I. And yet, we scratch our heads wondering why suicide rates are up, why is there an opioid crisis, why are teenagers so stressed and depressed? Ha, I wonder why. And the one thing that could save them, give them hope, which is healthy, loving relationships, is the one thing that they're encouraged to ignore, because it's all about me, myself, and I. This is completely opposite to our Catholic faith. God is a family, a relationship. Christ is born into a family. We are called to unity and relationship. God wants a relationship with us. Actually, we are called to dependence, dependence on God. May this Lent be for you and your loved ones a time of relationship, a time of dependence, a time when we realize that we are not alone. Indeed, we are created for love. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and sitting here with me is Mark Matthews all the way from... Hello. Yeah, the Angelino. I'm the Angelino. You're the Angelino. We haven't drowned yet in the rain. Oh, is it raining a lot? We have had record rainfall, so El Nino. That's what happens here in an El Nino year. I'm sorry that I haven't even seen it in the news. Um, I mean, weather patterns are all over the place anyway. Um, You know, celebrity homes sliding down the hillsides so yeah your home <laughs> sorry did you uh, say no. your home <laughs> i live in the flat valley the... it's only if you're rich enough to get to live on the side of a hill that will slide down when it rains okay well i'm sorry that it's raining maybe um lent lent is is a baptismal time as well it's not just a time for penance ah, so yeah. there's this baptismal character so you the whole you know noah and the ark and the rain and baptism i have so that can help with your reflections i've definitely been feeling that so yeah. All right. Okay. So today, my friend, Danny Torquia will be joining us with his wife, Antonia. They've been doing a little segment called Rearing Rebels in the Domestic mm. Church. And it's all about how to raise your children to be countercultural, actually. Ooh, I like right. that. So, so they're, they're very good. So um, uh, they've, they've talked about in the past, they've talked about how to set up your home, what to have in the home, what to not have in the home, to create an environment. Um, and mm. and I believe today they're going to talk about a little bit about how to program. Like, what do you put on the family program? Uh, uh, not my kind of programming. No, but... not your kind of programming. But, you know, like what activities are the kids doing? How much and all that is what I think. So that's going to be in about five minutes. Rearing Rebels with Danny and Antonia Torquia in about five minutes after the song. And then you're going to be here to tell us a little bit more about... Uh, yeah, about the risks of AI. Surrogate friendship is what I'm calling it. So. Surrogate friendship. Okay, so this is your new topic of... Yeah. of uh, yes, artificial intelligence with Mark Matthews. Everybody's, yeah, everybody's talking about AI. It seems like a lot of my themes are all in AI this 
cool. this time. It's but I do. It's going to be a big technology. It's going to change everything in entertainment. So yeah. So hopefully that can help our listeners not be so terrified <laughs> about AI. <laughs> yes. So that's uh, that's in about fifteen minutes. Mark Matthews, a little bit about AI surrogate friendship. Uh, with your artificial intelligence buddies. Um, and then, uh, Mark, I'm sure you living in Los Angeles are familiar with the Irwin brothers, Andrew oh, and yes. John Irwin, uh, filmmakers. You might remember the film October Baby, uh, I Can Only Imagine, yes. I Still Believe, yep. and then most recently, Jesus Revolution. Um, so they have a new film called Ordinary Angels, which is in theaters right now, starring Hilary Swank and Alan Richson. Mm. Um and if you haven't heard of this movie, it's I watched it. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful, very well done, true story, or very much based or inspired by a true story about a widower who's trying to make ends meet. His youngest daughter is waiting for a liver transplant, and mm. then this stranger, played by Hilary Swank, um, who's dealing with her own issues, she comes in to do everything she can to help. And it's a just a beautiful story of faith, mm -hmm. everyday miracles, and ordinary angels, which is what the film is called. So um, we're going to be speaking with uh, Andrew Irwin, one of the okay. two brothers, in our second half hour in about, so that's in about 25 minutes. So hope people can stick around for that and learn about this new film. And then we're going to be meeting a singer-songwriter. She's not new in the world of singing and songwriting, but she's new in our program. Her name is Laura Huval from louisiana mm. um uh, I've, I've known about her for a few years now she's featured in uh in a program that we salt and light media collaborated with oregon catholic press called music admission um and mm. I'm, I'm always happy to introduce new artists to the salt and light hour uh, well, especially if they're cajun too well and she's the real thing like the real like french-speaking cajun so mm. laura huval is going to join us uh, at the end of the program, so in about 45 minutes. Um, and of course, we're going to get to listen to some of her music, uh, which is actually not Cajun music. Oh, really? Not that it's, Cajun? Okay, well. No. Um, well, her worship music isn't, so I'm going to talk to her about that. Uh, I still give her points for where she's from. I, I yeah, love just Cajun. Lafayette, Louisiana. Louisiana. Oh, yeah, it's good. And they have good, like, gumbo shrimp or mm. whatever. Um, so, yeah, Laura Huval in 45 minutes and uh we're going to listen to her music as well and so if you're not going to be around remember that you can always go to our website somedia.org you click on podcasts that's where you can listen to the show you can also subscribe to the salt and light hour catholic podcast wherever you get your podcasts or you can do ai you can actually talk to your voice activated uh, device and just say hey play the salt and light hour catholic podcast and it actually works so that's, that's pretty cool a for ai ai okay so mark let's start with a song here is laura huval with jesus be my song from her album it's never too late my faithful friend my sturdy home Sick and alone 
That was Laura Huval with her song, Jesus Be My Song, from her album, It's Never Too Late. And we're going to be speaking with Laura Huval at the end of the program. So I hope that you can still be with us for that. And now it's time for Rearing Rebels Through Our Domestic Church with Danny and Antonia Torquia. Danny, Antonia, welcome back to the program. It's good to see you. Thanks for having us again. Great to be back. What yes. are we going to talk about today? So we're going to continue. Uh, you're going to continue, I presume, giving us tips on how to bring up successful rebels, <laughs> countercultural uh, children. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, and when you speak of it that way, it gets me excited because we are, you know, we are men and women on a mission. In fact, the Holy Father speaks about we are mission which uh, Deacon Pedro, you know that yes. I come from a marketing background. Well, we know that the world wants us to be on a mission, but it's usually a mission of here, feed your carnal lowest desires for this, that on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I won't, don't need to name them all. No. Um, but yeah, so what we wanted to talk about today in our journey of Rearing Rebels, we talked about, uh, you know, how do we f- uh, structure our home so that it's a home that has is structured physically for 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 the world um well the culture we want of prayer and religion religion now we talked about you know our kids are getting older deacon and we, we we're, we're in a busy season actually in our life um where the kids have a lot of activities yeah. well-intentioned activities from a lot of sources namely school mm-hmm. um but but it's forced us to think about oh my goodness how are we going to structure our programming okay like, well, how do we yeah. spend our time? So Antonia and I have really been discussing how do we demonstrate to the kids and to the teachers and principals that we are friends with um, that we prioritize prayer and faith above all. Right. And I like in your intro, Pedro, you know, you talked about how can we successfully fear <laughs> rebels, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, we, oddly enough, we went to an, uh, an award ceremony yesterday for sports activities at school. And, you know, the one of the key messages was success for these coaches is 20 years from now, Mm. having um, developed uh, young men and women that are giving back to their communities, are um, living like Christ, et cetera. And so we won't really know if we're successful. Our kids are still growing uh, in 20 years. But, you know, we have to put the time and the effort and the intention now Mm -hmm. so that in 20 years, Mm-hmm. There will be fruit, um, yes, and yeah. we pray that we see it, and that we're able to um, uh, enjoy that success for them. And so, the choices we're making now as a family, like Danny said, you know, there's so many things um, in our lives that are being thrown at us, like different activities, sports um, activities at school, different things the kids can participate. And mm-hmm. so, really choosing as a husband and wife together to say what's our priority for our family and how are we going to make that happen? Um, And then really looking and saying, what are the activities, you know, if that priority is prayer time and spending time with Christ and exposing our children to um, different events at church, different communities, then let's go out and find those activities and make sure that we're participating in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the long game. (laughs) It's, Okay, so yeah, so how how do you guys make it work? And I'm very curious to know as to how much the children are part of this conversation. Well, that's a good one. Well, we 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 to make it work, we go through a lot of kilometers or mileage or miles yeah. because because for example, 
uh, we found an adoration program. Thanks be to God. It's it's a, a monthly adoration event organized by the Knights of Columbus mm-hmm. and four or five parishes. And, and we've been able to put them on our agenda. So we have to drive for them a little bit, but it, it's well worth it because we're able to bring uh, my, my, my um, Antonia's parents to this mm-hmm. and they're 82 years old. And so we go as a family and we uh, just, we prioritize it and the kids love it. They understand that we're really? going to, to spend time with our, our Eucharistic Lord and spend time with uh, Abuelo and Abuela, the grandparents here yeah. in this case. Um, and and it, and it's really become like a little pilgrimage every month to go to this adoration, and we're doing we're, we're looking like now it's Lent, uh, thanks be to God. So we're going to the stations of the cross or uh, fish fries to meet people at our okay. local. We're visiting different churches in order to <clears throat> um, meet people because we're new to this community, this region. Mm-hmm. But but also so that the kids understand that it is Lent. And I know Antonia is is, is going to add some things on that. But I want to say, you know, Deacon Pedro, you know that I. My parents come from the Middle East, and I do like some of the Eastern spirituality that is in, in indigenous, inherent to the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, whether it's Chaldean, Maronite, Coptic, etc., or Maronite, Melkite. Yes. So, so I want to say, for me, I, the theme for me is like a great Lent. I want this to be a great mm-hmm. Lent, and and that's a new, a, a, it's an old term in the Eastern Church, but it's new for me as a Roman Catholic to to really refer to this as a great Lent. Mm-hmm. So, with our kids. We're, we're working also not only to go to uh, adoration and special events, but also at home, you know, to really double down and support each other with our penance or our okay. um, sacrifices that are hopefully bringing us closer to the Lord. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a very organized person. I yeah. think, you know, we each bring our own gifts. And so, you know, I have that big calendar in front of us to say, hey, you know, okay, um, if we're going to go to adoration on the Friday or to the Station of the Cross or the Fish Fry, that means that we're not doing something else, right? Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, you know, the kids understand. Danny and I have to have those conversations too to really like set out what's coming in our weeks ahead. Um, but then I, you know, when the kids were little, we had a chore chore chart with stickers. Yeah. And so for Lent, um, they've gotten, you know, st- these books where, you know, they have to track daily how they're doing on their Lenten promises, right? Nice. And so I think that's, and that's something that any anyone can do um, with tracking, right? But yeah. it's it, it for the kids. I think it helps them to really physically and visually see. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are your lenses premises? You're going to write them down, and every day we're going to track how you're you're going to track how you're doing. We'll check in with you because you know we want to be here to support you, and we want you guys to check in with us as well. Um, but you know, it's really a physical mm-hmm. like look at it uh, and see it in front of you. And and I know like Danny's a very visual person. And so having that in front of you to see is very important for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I like having that book because I can then lord over them. And Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> Oops. Okay. Any, any other tips, suggestions for our listeners, if they're really struggling with being more intentional with that long game? <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to share that it's nice. To, it's good to show the kids your vulnerability and Antonia, you might be seeing that now that as as we we were on the brink of losing control because of these um, encroaching sports factors, like good things, right? But but sometimes I, I tell the kids, yeah, you know, hey, if we don't work at this, we're going to lose our prayer life. If we don't, yeah. we can't just go like. And Antonia has heard me uh, almost cry <laughs> publicly in front of the kids. I can't take running around after every single day of the week to go pick up this person, go drop yeah. off that person. 
everybody gets home at 8 p.m. and then we have no time for prayer. They've seen me getting frustrated. And I know that that might be, oh, Danny, the leader, um, I was joking around of lording over my kids. I don't want to lord over them. They see me almost cry because we need to, to, to hold on to the priorities, mm-hmm. which is faith. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've shown them that if we don't do this, it's going to slip. Yeah, and, and then they agree. And the same thing is when we tell our, our teachers or the parents or the principals, like we're pulling our kids for a week from school and we had to tell them we're doing it for religious purposes for these reasons. And then they, instead of being adversarial with us mm-hmm. or defensive, they were like, oh, good idea. So I think being a communicator, being a hyper communicator right. is helpful. Yeah, right. No, and making choices is good. I can I can hear the many voices inside my head about well, he can't be in the soccer team because all our practices are on Sunday. And then that just right right there means that they just can't do soccer or hockey or whatever it is because that's the reality, right? Or right. I, I suppose you can figure that out. You can um, figure that out, yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to, you know, you have to look around, you have to be creative because um, there are opportunities where it's not going to be every, on, on, you know, on the Sundays or you find the teams where, you know, they do the practices during the week. We're lucky that the kids in our in our uh, case are participating with school. So it's really that Monday to Friday that's yeah. going to be busy. But then that keeps our weekend, you know, and our Sunday sacred mm-hmm. um, to be able to focus on church and that and that day of rest. Yeah, I love that you guys start. I mean, obviously, and this is probably the biggest advice for me and for all parents to start start in the womb start when they're really really little so then it just doesn't become a, this weird thing that you're trying to impose on them and that they're part of this conversation um and it sounds like they they enjoy participating in these activities and i suppose if you found an activity that they didn't enjoy you maybe choose something different um we do listen to them yeah that's very important no no well that's important they need to feel listened and especially as they become teenagers um mm-hmm. We have to leave it there, guys. But I, I, uh, I always appreciate uh, your your suggestions. I wish my kids were younger so I could try some of these th- things with them now. Um, but I know a lot of our listeners are are also benefiting from this. So thank you and happy Lent. Thank you, you too. A great Lent. Great, great Lent. A great, a great, great Lent. Danny and Antonia Torquia are the parents of four children. Danny is the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia, and you can learn more at dialogueandgrace.com. Hi, this is Father Rob Gallian. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can watch Salt and Light television on our streaming platform, Salt and Light Plus, at slmedia.org and also through our Roku and Amazon Fire app. You can learn more at slmedia.org slash plus. And now it's time for... What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary. Mark Matthews, who's sitting here dying to tell us about his new friend. His new new artificial friend. My new artificial friend. AI. Okay, what what insight (laughs) are you giving us today, my friend? So... Uh, so as you know, like a lot of my world revolves around AI these days, and that is the way entertainment Hollywood is going to be going, even if a lot of yeah. people don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, and so I talk a lot about AI, and um, I talk, uh, I spend a lot of time dispelling what I think are ridiculous things to be afraid mm-hmm. of. 
Um, and then usually I'll get asked, well, what do you think the real risks of AI are? Mm -hmm. And one of my common responses is surrogate friendship. And it's this potential that using AI, we might be able to fulfill our human need for social contact while giving us none of the real blessing or benefit of a relationship with a hu real human being. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I was gonna, uh, yeah, I don't, I actually don't think it's crazy. Because, because... <laughs> well, yeah, and you no, say I, that, yeah, and people are like, that's crazy. No, but, I, yeah, I don't. I, I can but, see it. Yeah, but but I kind of say like we've already been doing this for like 30, 30, 40, 50 years with sitcom TV. And you think about like, well, how mm. often do people have a TV on in the background yeah. just for the noise of yeah. people talking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you watch a TV show, are you really watching it for the entertainment or is it just like there's some kind of like, you know, itch it scratches the a, a social need for a need for social contact yeah for relationship is what you're saying really yeah yeah and you think like it's well it's okay it's passive i'm just listening to their interaction but it's like well you know sometimes people do that in situations too you know they just sit and they listen and if you watch a sitcom you know the next day at work you could be like hey did you see that crazy thing that seinfeld did last night and you can kind of both yeah. joke about it and relate almost like you would to a real friend yeah 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 and they feel like they actually know that character or yeah. even the actor yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's kind of like you feel like you need them and so it, it's interesting because this connects with what we know about neuroscience very well neuroscientists have discovered these things called mirror neurons and they activate when um, either a person does a particular act or they observe someone doing a particular okay. act. Okay. And so at some level, kind of like very unconscious, our brain sees no difference sometimes between some of these activities. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So either yeah. we do it or just watch someone doing it. Same thing. Exactly. Yeah. We see it. And so, so I, so like that's just, you know, TV that's perhaps made for everyone. And so I would ask, I say, well, can you imagine how this would change if say all of a sudden Amazon Alexa starts asking you how your day was, you know, be like, hello. Well, you can I just it? jump in because she is kind of freaking me out because the new, I don't know if this happens to everybody else, but now every time I ask a question, it's like, Alexa, what's the weather outside? She's always starts with Pedro. I hope you're having a oh, good day. Oh, really? Or like, good morning, Pedro. And then she tells me the weather. It's like, I just think, it, yeah, it's very <laughs> freaky. Exactly. And so, and it's funny because like, yeah. I think, you know, people who are creating the media, who are creating AI, they know this. They want you to have yeah. that social connection with it. And so that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, I think AI is going to open the door to all sorts of extreme personalization of media. Um, if you didn't see it a week or two ago, OpenAI released something called Sora, which is their latest video generation system. So you just oh type in gosh. a prompt. I want a, a woman walking through the streets of Tokyo and poof, instant high definition. Well, not instant, but yeah. very high quality, high definition video. And every it had everyone really excited uh, and some people not so excited. Tyler Perry canceled an $800 million expansion he was planning for his studio when he saw Sora, he's just like, oh, it's going to change everything. And so I've been talking with all my old, you know, visual effects buddies going, ah, time to look for a new job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay. 
Yeah. So, so just can you imagine? So everything, so things that were we thought would be science fiction are very quickly becoming science fact. Mm -hmm. And so I think these technologies will just have the ability to super, supercharge this surrogate socialization. What if it's not just a, a sitcom, but it's a sitcom with people that you know in it? Mm -hmm. They're putting. I don't know, your mom or your dad in it. Or what if it's, I don't know, what if Amazon Alexa starts listening to everything going on in your home? And then she's like, hey, I wrote a, I made a sitcom about your life. And it could, you know, yeah, you that could watch be, us at the uh, end of the day. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very scary. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, but th this is crazy. This is really the way things are going. And I, I, I'm a pretty rational I don't know, maybe pessimist when it sometimes comes to some of these technologies, but all these things will be very possible. Yeah, but to your original point about having a surrogate friend, mm -hmm. I think it doesn't even need to get to that point because you just need someone to talk to, basic, or someone to listen to you, right? Yeah. Or something yeah. to listen to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it doesn't even need to get to anything that extreme. It could just be, you know, Alexa going, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. Uh huh. Yeah. Or I arrive, uh, I arrive at home and it knows that I've arrived and it knows where I came from. How was your mm -hmm. day at work? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Oh, you yeah. took the day off. Oh, I see you stopped by the bar yeah. on the way home. Yes. Do you have a problem? <laughs> yeah, that, that would be so. And and I, I think the thing, the reason this has me worried is that <clears throat> there's unfortunately a very human tendency that we have to go towards the substitute and not the real thing. Mm. It's just that we don't want to face the reality of real life. We don't want to deal with real people, with real demands and, and real problems. And if you really dig into the spiritual well why can't we why can't we do this it goes right back to the to the fall of adam and eve you know the man and the wife hid themselves from the lord god among the trees of the garden you know it says in genesis 3 it's just our natural reaction we're like we want to hide we're like a child that mm. covers our face before something scary mm -hmm. so you know it, it's kind of like well that's a sounds a little bit doom and gloom you know, what do we do? What's what's our response to this? And I, my main purpose today is just to be aware of this phenomena, is just see it in yourself and see that, oh, when I'm consuming media, uh, it might be trying to satisfy this need, this real need that I have for socialization. Mm -hmm. So maybe I shouldn't do so much of that good thing to do during Lent. Go and seek out a real human relationship. Um, and then just practice classic, you know, Catholic human virtue, you know, in terms of being, you know, it, yeah. that's, you know, what we get from a real relationship. Yeah. Be, being really present to that other person, learning how to communicate intelligently. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm going to have to think about this, but I, I do see the parallels with just television or listening to a podcast. You feel like, you know, mm -hmm. the person you have a relationship yeah. and it's because we are built for relationship. Um, even us, even you and me, I'm sure our listeners feel like they know us. I, it is. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I think that that's, yeah. that's true. And and we'd love to get to know our listeners. That's <laughs> true. But that's would. not always, always possible. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I, I said this in our, the opening commentary to the program, um, that we, we're built for relationships. So we long for mm -hmm. relationship. And so this idea that you just said, that we tend to gravitate to the substitute rather yeah. to the real thing that is concerning um and but it's, it's, yeah 
it's like artificial sweetener. You know, yeah. you can drink a drink. You'd think you'd be getting nutrition, but you'd be left empty and you'd actually, you're like, I need energy. So. That's exactly it. And I, and my hope is that ultimately the truth wins out and that people will realize that that's what's happening as, as with artificial sweetener or, yeah. or yeah, or anything that's artificial or, okay. So something to think about here, um, especially during Lent. Thank you, Mark. Uh, sorry that you're going to have to say, let go of your new friend. <laughs> no no what's good in hollywood <laughs> what's good or not so good with artificial intelligence with mark matthews our undercover hollywood missionary you can follow him at hu missionary coming up in our second half hour producer andrew Irwin of the Irwin brothers tells us about their latest film ordinary angels and we meet singer-songwriter laura huval so stay tuned Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Andrew and John Irwin, best known as the Irwin Brothers, are Christian film directors, writers, and producers. You may be familiar with some of their films, October Baby, Mom's Night Out, I Can Only Imagine, I Still Believe, and most recently, Jesus Revolution. Their newest film, out in theaters right now, is Ordinary Angels, starring Hilary Swank and Alan Richson. The film is inspired by the true story of Sharon Stevens, who rallies the community to help a widowed father save the life of his youngest daughter, who needs a liver transplant. It is a beautiful, inspiring story of faith, miracles, and the power of perseverance. To learn more, last week I spoke with Andrew Irwin. Andrew, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Yeah, it's uh, so good to be with you, Pedro. I really appreciate the time, man. It is, and I'm very excited. I got to see the film, and I have to say, I think you've been hearing this from a lot of people. I love the film. It's such a great story. It's a, it's really a goldmine as of a yeah. story, um, and I want to talk about that. But before I, uh, it's been a long time since you and your brother John started making films. I remember October Baby, yeah. uh, so long ago. Tell me a little bit about how you guys got into the industry. Yeah, October Baby, we shot that 15 years ago now. Wow. Uh it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. Um you know, we got started as kids. Uh we oh, were yeah. uh my dad was in uh radio and oh, then yeah. he and uh, so we kind of grew up uh, kind of as studio rats just kind of hanging uh -huh. out and then somebody put a camera in our hands and we started making these little short films and then we did it at college for a little while. Nice. And uh, and I uh uh you know, kind of had this moment with God where I was just like you know, uh, I, all I have is a camera in my hands. I don't know how that could make a difference. And somebody challenged me to give that to God and say, you know, let him figure out how to use it. It's never would have thought that all these years later we'd be doing feature films. But my brother, my brother had enough ambition for both of us. Yeah. And, uh, and he pushed us in that direction. And then next thing you know, we're, you know, we went from doing music videos to directing October Baby. And now we're, uh, now you know, film's in. Yeah. Did you did you think when you were thinking about making films originally that your faith would be part of that process or is that something that kind of, I felt... think, we, yeah, we always had a dream of doing that. Um, I, I never thought that that was possible because when we, you know, first got started, it was in the early two thousands, uh, passion of the Christ had not come out yet. And right. so, you know, it had been decades since there had been a really, uh, substantial, uh, film about faith, you know, yeah. since the late sixties. And, um, uh, and so we didn't think that that was a path that was possible. And then Mel Gibson changed the game. And yes. then at that point, we're like, let's do it. But we, you know, we don't even know where to start. So it was, you know, there was a group of us that all started together. It was Dallas Jenkins from The Chosen, mm -hmm. Alejandro from Sound of Freedom, 
you know, Devon Franklin, the Kendrick brothers, and the then Ken, yep. you know, us. And uh, we were all had this desire to do it, but didn't know where to start. But we've all kind of pushed forward a little bit at a time. And in the past three years, it's really had its breakout moment. And uh, and I think really solidified the the studios wanting to invest in stories like these. So that leads us to Ordinary Angels and, you know, to have a two-time Oscar winner, Hillary Swank mm -hmm. in it. Jeez. And Alan Richardson, um, you know, we would have never, if you had told me 15 years ago that that was possible, I would have told you you were crazy. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't have asked 15 years ago because I wouldn't have <laughs> yeah, thought it was possible either. Um, exactly. I mean, I don't think it's a secret. We know that films have the power, like that type style of storytelling has the power to to really make a change inside people's hearts. So is that, I mean, is your mission to tell good stories or is your mission to evangelize or both? Both. Yeah, both. Yeah. It's, you know, for, it, it all leads to the bottom line that you just described, but it's a double bottom line. So the idea is the only way to evangelize, I think, effectively and to, to be able to reach outside the church walls is to make it worth purchasing a ticket for, which means it has to be entertaining. Yeah. So the destination yeah. for us that allowed that were true stories and true stories that ultimately led to this climactic kind of finish of a, a rush of hope that became mm. our brand. So when we did the movie, I can only imagine as our kind of our breakout moment, right. that rush of hope became the, the blueprint of every story that we pursue now. Mm. It has to leave the audiences inspired to go out and change the world and also leave the curious, you know, benevolent skeptic, you know, general moviegoer going, I want to understand more about this, this Christianity. Yeah. And it's an invitation to people outside the church walls to try. It's an introduction to the idea of redemption. And to do that, we don't have to fill in all the questions. We just plant the seed and allow it to kind of grow on its own. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you are doing that. And, and, and I mean, everybody has that yearning, that desire for hope and, and we're, we'll help you, you're helping them with that. Um, you've said that Hollywood is not the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? You know, I think I have a I have a, a very specific view on Hollywood and the church and understanding the purpose for either. Mm. Uh, uh, and I think a lot of people think that Hollywood is the big bad guy. And it's not. I think Hollywood's a business. Yep. It, it can be hijacked for good or evil. Uh, and people do both. But ultimately, it's a business that they see it through dollars and cents. Yeah. And, and I think we avoided it for years and we had to prove to them that we could make money for their industry. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's more of a, a a kind of heartless kind of robotic you know system mm -hmm. that's more about like can it make money and if it makes money they'll do your your films yeah so taking that off the table it's not the bad guy but it's also not the answer you know as filmmakers our job I think is to ask the right questions mm -hmm. to plant the seed in people's hearts that start to start the conversation mm -hmm. life change happens when that conversation Alejandro Montverde from um, uh, from Sound of Freedom, I had yep. him on my podcast the other day, and he said he loves to do movies that the real story starts when the movie ends. Mm. And and mm. I think that, that is the case, that if we can start the conversation and allow the church then to step in and say, let me tell you the rest of the story, yeah. that's where life change happens. Yeah. People's life change through the local church. Yeah, and I think you're, again, you're doing that, and definitely this film does that. Um, a lot of real life stories do that and you're able to find them. How did the, how did you come across this particular story? You know, this one was one that found us from the most unlikely place. It wasn't a person of faith that brought it to us. It was Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews from the Dave Matthews. Band. Oh, really? And he had seen this huh. story, real life story 
years ago and it had moved him and he had not been able to get it out of his head. And uh, he took it to a producing friend, John Berg, that produced movies like Elf. They uh -huh. brought it to Lionsgate, our parent company, and Lionsgate mm -hmm. brought it and said, this is a story of faith. And when we looked at the story, number one, it was too good to be true. It was an amazing yeah, yeah, it's Yeah. Secondly, we're like, this is Southeast Christian Church. We know this church well in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, wow. The chairman of our board at Kingdom is an elder at that church. And so it just was kind of always meant to be our story. And John Gunn stepped in to direct it. And all of a sudden, we're making the movie. Yes. It, yeah. Um, is it a story of faith or faith in God? Or is it a story about people coming together to help each other? I guess it can be both. It's both, you know, for, for, for this one, it is a story of faith. I think, you know, I love the fact that Ed is a Christian in our story and Alan Richardson plays him beautifully, but mm. he's, he's a, he's a Christian that's become so disillusioned and disheartened mm -hmm. that, um, with good reason. Yeah. That, that he feels like God's forgotten about him. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the movie is to remind him that he and his daughters matter to God. Yeah. Ultimately it leads him back to his church. And his church is the one that gets to save her life. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then the unlikely redemption of this hero that uh, Hillary Swank play, plays that's a, a bit of a of, of a black sheep or a, yeah, or a long Sharon. God. And Sharon ends up being kind of the catalyst of the story that's the most unlikely person yeah. to be the, the, the angel in the story. So I think that for us, you know, to a general movie public, it's just a really good feel-good movie. Mm hmm but the 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 very simple idea that profoundly is presented is the church is a safe place and the church gets to be the hero of the story rather than the butt of the joke. Mm -hmm. And I think for a outside audience, our desire is to again start that conversation that allows it to be an invitation. So if a person ends up in the movie theater and watching the story, it causes them to have the courage to step into a church again. Mm -hmm. We've done our job. Well, that's good. I was going to, that was going to be my, my next and last question that what is your hope that people were going to get? And obviously you want, as you said, the story to start at the end of the movie. Part yep. of that story might mean that people might be drawn to church. Part of that story might mean that people feel that they can actually make a difference in other people's lives. That too. I mean, that, that's the second part is the idea of today with, with so, so much things being negative, kind of a story of hope becomes very subversive. It becomes very kind of counterculture. Mm. And uh, for people to step in the theater saying, I'm just one person, how do I make a difference? Mm. Well, the point of view that Sharon comes to is it makes a difference for just this one person. Yeah. And when you do that, all of a sudden there's a ripple effect. And yeah. uh, and that's, that's Sharon's story. That's little Michelle's story. And ultimately it can be the story of the person watching the film. Yeah, and that's that that children's story that's featured in the film about the starfish. I love that story. I've been telling it my kids since they were little. Um, right. Before you go, tell us a little bit about Unsung Hero that I believe is a new film that's coming out. Yeah, the Unsung Hero I'm really passionate about. This one uh, I executive produced. Uh, my friend uh, from the band for King and Country. Okay. Uh, people love their music. Um, so Joel Smallbone from that band, that's one of the brothers. It's his family story. And they were immigrants coming from Australia a uh, family of nine people that ended up losing everything when they moved to the U S and uh, and they were struggling to kind of survive. And their father thought that the family was in the way until he found out the family was the way. And his daughter mm -hmm. uh, discovered her voice as a singer and it's the family just fighting to survive. And ultimately the unsung hero of the family is his wife, their mother that held the family together. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just really, really cool. Uh, Joel brought it to me. He said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I want to co-direct this film with a friend, but I also want to play my father. 
And uh, so he stepped into it and I was like, you got a 20% chance of sticking this landing, but I'll, I'll go with you. Wow. And so we all stepped on board to help make it uh, and filmed it last year. And he absolutely crushed it. It is a feel good underdog story that is going to really catch audiences off guard. And I haven't seen the response from an uh, audience on a film like this since we did. I can only imagine it's special. Okay, well, that's looking forward to that. So um, Ordinary Angels is in theaters next week and Unsung Hero will be in theaters later this year. Uh, April 26th. A couple oh, weeks. very soon. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show and telling us a little bit about you and about what you do and about the film. Uh, always, uh, Pedro, we, we, we love the interviews. We love to talk uh, stories with you and we hope to do it again soon. Yes, thank you. God bless. Andrew Irwin is co-producer of the new film, Ordinary Angels, which is in theaters now. Find out more about it and where you can watch it at ordinaryangels.movie. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Laura Huval, with Footprints from her album, It's Never Too Late. When I'm broken, you mend me. Your words... Refresh me You make each day new Oh Lord, you carry me Oh Lord, you carry me When I'm drowning, you save me your angels surround me when I'm in the depths of despair. Oh Lord, you carry me. You carry me through the storm. You shelter me. Listening to Laura Huval with Footprints from her album, It's Never Too Late. Laura Huval is a Grammy-nominated recording artist who grew up in Cajun country, Louisiana, 
where she still lives. When she's not speaking at events, writing books, leading worship, directing music at her parish, St. Joseph's in Cecilia, Louisiana, teaching, running retreats, she is writing music and recording or performing with her band, Sweet Cecilia. There is so much to talk about, and so I am very happy to welcome Laura Huval to the Salt and Light Hour. Laura, welcome to the program. It's so good to meet you in person. You too, Deacon Pedro, as we say in Cecilia. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. <laughs> okay, okay. The, um, let's go back because you grew up there. Your dad was a musician, so I know there was music in the home. But tell me a little bit more about growing up. What was what was it like growing up in the, Hu- I guess it's not Huval, your, your yes. maiden name. Yes. Um, household. So, Berard. Yeah, my maiden, yes. Berard. Very good, yes. Deacon Pedro, yes. So, um, yes, my maiden name, Berard, or Berard. You, you, know, Berard. you can say it yes. a few different ways. So um, music has always been such a huge gift to my family. Um, my parents met and fell in love in the St. Joseph Church Choir Loft, oh where, yeah, where I'm there. now, I'm still there, music director. Uh, my mom was uh, a beautiful and still a beautiful vocalist. And my father was the guitarist in the choir. Wow. And uh, their love story is really precious. Um, my mom was a widow at the age of 29. Okay. And uh, my dad was a mere 21 years old. Um, and my mom tells this precious story how, you know, the little guitarist would wink at me and smile at me. And then she asked him, uh, he asked her out on a date to go eat pizza. And she said, I laughed at him. And how we say it in Louisiana, Cajun French, boo, you too young. Oh, and eight that's... months later, they were married. Oh, my God. 32 that's years. So... <laughs> okay, so back up. So so yeah. real Cajun, like actual like French. Yes. Yeah, so my, my father actually is the youngest of eight children in uh, French was his first language. Really? Uh, same with my husband as well. Um, so we live in a unique area in the United States. Our region is called Acadiana. Yeah. And um, it's we're ancestors of the French Catholics who were dispersed yeah, uh, from Canada. From Canada. Yeah, from and it's legit yeah. true. Acadians, um, I know. And so it's so beautiful that our, our Catholic faith has remained so strong. Um, and so we are, I call us the holy land of the United States, kind of, because oh it's such a special, special place. And French language and French music is still very much a big part of our identity here. Okay. And I imagine that because of that, faith is, a, the Catholic faith is also important. It absolutely is. Um, you know, we are so blessed here because pretty much everything that we do revolves around the liturgical calendar and much like a lot of the United States, even okay. though they don't realize it, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mardi Gras, Lent, uh, you know, we right. have these, of course, these huge festivals, Festival Acadia Creole, Festival International. And yeah. listen how cool this is. They start off each um, of those Sundays of those festivals with a, a Catholic math mass in French. Oh my God. Really? Still? Yeah, still. And, and you know, it is, it's a beautiful thing to witness all of it coming together, right? The language, the yeah. faith, the culture. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> so, so, I mean, your parents were in the choir, your dad's a guitarist. Yeah. Obviously you grew up in that church. I did. So my father, um, looking back at the life he lived yesterday was his 10 year anniversary of his oh. passing. Yeah. Um, he was a Cajun fiddle player. Um, okay. And literally, Cajun music fed my family. He toured around the United States, uh, Europe. Um, he went to, I think, uh, Mexico. Mm. And he would share the faith 
Uh, he loved Jesus. He would evangelize yeah. on the stage. It was pretty awesome. And Amen. then, of course, sharing his the beautiful Cajun songs uh, and our culture. So, yeah, I feel like there's yeah. a part of me that's carrying on that tradition. Yeah, of course. Sure. So when did your musical... I mean, there's two things, because I'm sure you were singing and, and dancing around the house as a little girl. But when did you start writing music? When did that become more of a serious thing? Yeah, so... You know, in high school, I kind of dabbled in songwriting. Um, but whenever my band, Sweet Cecilia, got together is when I really uh, started cultivating that that gift. You know, okay. the, the seed had been planted. Uh, but, you know, it takes some time to to kind of get that that seed to grow. And so just stepping out in faith and just starting to really write. So probably 20 years ago, I really started getting into it. Um, okay. And then sec said that was secular music. And then in 2018 is when I really started um, to use the gifts of music, uh, songwriting, especially to share the gospel. So why, yeah. what happened? What changed? Uh, that That's a good, very good question, Deacon. Um, so I, there was a priest friend of ours, Father Michael Delcom, and he would tell me, Laura, you have a gift and you need to be like using that gift to build a kingdom, like right. Using your charism of creativity to evangelize. And so I, at that time I was ready. I was ready to start. He had, you know, my kids were yeah. growing up. They were a little older. I had more time. And um, in 2021, I committed fully to the music ministry and songwriting. I, mm -hmm. I quit my job teaching and uh, the Holy Spirit's taken me on such a beautiful adventure of evangelizing right. so yeah. being a music director at the parish is also a recent thing yes that's um since about 2021 as well okay. so it all so it all is coming together yeah. okay so when will your cajun music align with the worship <laughs> music because i'd love to hear those those rhythms those beats those sounds no so i like that yes deacon pedro so as a matter of fact um I have a project coming up that I'm working on called Sing the Rosary. Um, it's going to hopefully be be out uh, in October, in the month of the rosary, where I'm going to write new melodies um, to these prayers, right? Mm -hmm. And put it in music form. So it's going to be a lo longer meditation, but um, definitely uh, I am going to most likely do a whole decade in Cajun French. Oh, I love I'll it. I'll sing it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear those Cajun music influences in, yep. in your worship music. Um, so you have two albums, two worship albums, uh, or, or, or can I call them? I mean, they're, yes, yeah, they're worship albums. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I presume that there's more. You're working on the Rosary Project. What would you say would be your hope, not just for your music, but for your ministry? Um, that's a beautiful question. It, it just that, you know, that all who listen would just feel the, the love and the peace that the Holy Spirit wants to give them and just to be open to the gospel and just to, to feel hopeful. Mm. Um, and that's why I, I try to write and feel joy because that, that's a, a big part of my, yeah. uh, my personality, but also a, a fruit of the spirit that I've been blessed with, um, my whole life and so just to feel those things peace hope love and joy yeah yeah Be you, fruity. Do, <laughs> you, you do you do radiate joy i i can't uh, can't say you don't um the i'm always intrigued by album titles and so it's never too late w what's the connection there does that have to do with hope and joy as well 
Yes, it does. Um, Initially, I think it was more of like, okay, it's time. Like I've waited. I think I was what, like almost 38 years old by the time I decided, okay, I'm going to release this album. So, but then it took on a greater meaning of, um, of just, it's never too late. We, we are, we are living in a world where we compare ourselves, right. To, to, to one another. And like, what is it? Um, Comparison is the thief of joy. And so Hmm. just like, never ever you know think that you can't do something like it's never too late but Mm -hmm. in the spiritual world also i mean look at look at the the cross and look at jesus and the the thief next to him right Mm -hmm. jesus says it's it's never too late like you know you're gonna be with me in paradise like jesus remember me it's never too late he tells us so it's never too late to begin that journey and I think it's a, a every day should be that way. Like it's yeah. a new beginning, right? Uh, it's true. What a beautiful, yeah, you're right. Living in the moment and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Laura, thank you. It's been so good meeting with you, uh, meeting you and chatting with you. Um, thank you for what you're doing and for sharing your beautiful music with us today. And I really look forward to this, the Cajun French rosary. <laughs> um, so we can bring you back on the show. And we can play maybe a little bit of, uh, of it on the program. Um, Thank you so much. God bless. And let's stay in touch. Yes. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. You can learn all about Laura Huval at her website, laurahuval.com. That's also where you can get her album, It's Never Too Late. Her most recent album, Raised in the Choir Loft, is published by Oregon Catholic Press. If you missed any part of our conversation or you want to listen to it again, just head over onto our website, slmedia.org. Here now is Laura Huval with Make Room from her album, It's Never Too Late. Make room, make room. God will fill you in ways you never knew. Listening to Laura Huval with Make Room from her album It's Never Too Late. And that will take us to the end of our program. To listen to the full show, go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast everywhere. So no excuses for missing our show. You should try your voice-activated device. Just ask for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast. You can also find out more about watching Salt and Light Television through our streaming platform, Salt and Light Plus, at our website, slmedia.org. Today, let's continue to pray for peace, peace in the Holy Land, and peace in Ukraine. And let's pray for those who need the presence of ordinary angels in their lives. May you continue having a blessed Lenten season. Thank you for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been 
the Salt and Light Hour.